fun. The... What were we talking about? I really need a guest. Or a list. Okay, anyway. Maybe I shouldn't say that. How much of this should be a secret? I don't know. Welcome to the inaugural episode of Camp People. In a second, I'm going to introduce a very special guest. Very excited about that. Before we get going, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the podcast and the idea and where it came from. So camp people, and for those people who are camp people, they'll kind of just automatically understand the term. And for those of you who've never gone to summer camp or worked at a summer camp or consider yourself a camp person, you might find out that you are because it's more of a quality than it is a circumstance. I'm sure not everybody who has the potential to be a quote unquote camp person finds their way to a camp. I have multiple friends who would have been amazing in that setting who their life took them different directions than that. But mostly camp people are people who uh, are connected on a sort of fundamental together we can build something special kind of energy, wavelength, vibe. Also, uh, speaking of things you will hear, perfectly engineered sound is probably not going to be one of them. I'm very new to this. I don't have any illusions that I'm going to be professional at this. It's just an idea that I really liked that I wanted to see through. So, to camp people. Camp people is a chance for people who really care about a thing to talk about that thing together. Through season one, I hope we get a chance to explore and articulate why that is. Why do we love camp so much? I think we're going to start to focus a lens on some of the things that make these circumstances special. And that, in a nutshell, is what we're doing this season is talking to these wonderful people about those connections that we make. So without further ado, I want to introduce our first guest. One of my favorite camp people, Stephanie Coopin Greenwald, is a teacher. She's the director of a high school science research program in Westchester, New York. She's worked in independent private schools in and around the New York City area for over 30 years, working in science and an administrator as a principal. And Steph has been a camp person for 34 years. Okay, um, so let's give a big camp people welcome to our friend, Stephanie Greenwald. Hi, Steph. Hi, Val. Um, so exciting. Steph, tell me how you became a camp person. <gasps> how did I become a camp person, Ebel? From the minute I went to camp. So I went to camp in the 70s. She's old. and um, Classic. We call that classic. Classic. So I went to camp in the 70s, and I just fell in love with it right away. I met my, met my very best friend at camp on the very first day. The, funny, the reason why I think she became my best friend immediately was, long story short, when my my mom drove me up to camp on the first day and left, I guess, didn't pack everything in the trunk. And there was some, all my pants were hanging. I thought she was good with, maybe she thought I was going to a fancy hotel. But anyway, I had no pants when I got to camp. And Natalie was the same size as me. So I was like, Nat, I got to wear your pants. So I, I mean, I just loved camp. I went to that camp in the Berkshires for 11 years, was a, like went straight from camper to counselor to group leader I just, I just wanted to go there forever. And in fact, I knew I was a camp person really for life 
when I thought I was going to get my PhD in psychology and did an internship in at Yale University working with autistic children. And the first couple of days there were like, you know, out of my comfort zone, whatever. And then my friend called me at camp. It was my first summer not at camp. And she went, somebody got fired and they need a counselor. I'm like, I'm in. Awesome. <laughs> and I just, you know what? I don't want to work with autistic kids. I just want to be, I want to just work with neurotypical kids, which we didn't call them that back then. And, um, and I said, I just, and that's when I decided to become a teacher so that also I can have my summers free. Awesome. Kind of why I think I fell in love with a teacher so I could have my summers free and just always be at camp. Big bonus points for Mark. Right. Quick pause, side topic. Because we know that camp people are awesome and they are always full of surprises. I've known Steph for 25 years and I just learned that she's had some quote unquote time at Yale. Time at right time at Yale. Like literally. Why you haven't started stories before with back when I was at Yale. Yeah, a week and a half. Um, tell us about your camps. Tell my camps. Okay. So, oh God. So just... side topic. Uh, I had said in the trailer and also in uh, the intro that my camp answers would come out gradually. I've never answered the questions myself, but Steph and I share a camp of 19 years, which is how we are friends. And we all have worked together at a a lovely little residential seven-week overnight all-girls sleepaway camp in Maine called Trip Lake. And we spent 19 years together there. And maybe there's some more in our future. Yes. So my first camp was an eight-week, that's what it was back then, an eight-week camp in the Berkshires. Just a small little co-ed camp. Maybe at its best, there were like 180 kids there at its best. And we lived through the recession when it was not 180 kids. And so many of the traditions that took place there are still taking place there right now. It's it's very similar. And several many of the traditions that took place there, I brought to AAA camp with me. But it was just this wonderful family. Everybody knew everybody. It wasn't very athletic. It they But we played every single sport. It was very steeped in tradition. Um it was rough and tumble. Like you went on camp, you know, we camped out. We, um, it's, I said it was a co-ed camp. I think it was literally like 200 feet between the boys and girls camp. And yet it felt boys camp so far away. And it literally so it Sounds not. like a nightmare. Yeah. And no, I mean, it was so, uh, please, we could just, we could have, you know, walked right into boys camp anytime during the day, but God forbid you didn't, but it was, you know, and we ate meals together and did everything together. Um, and my my friends from Camp Ben are still some of my close. My whole bunk is still my, you know, really close to me and feel like sisters and everything. So that was that. And we worked. I worked there. Went there. Worked there. And then I don't know why I just stopped going back. I guess the very last summer that was there, there was administration changing, and it just stopped being fun. I guess, and there was just dysfunction. I guess a little dysfunction going on at the time, and it was just time to go. Um, or maybe it was dysfunction in me that made me want to leave, but, um, or maybe just growth. Yeah. And then I kind of took a break, went to another camp with a bunch of, with a friend and it was a horrible camp. I won't even mention it. It's actually not even in existence anymore. And I just, it was horrible. I would tell you stories about that, but it was, we, I just left. Um, and then when I met my husband and we decided we really wanted to do the camp thing, we went to, it was kind of, we had, we had a baby. So we kind of, 
just said, oh my God, who's going to take us? Not thinking that we were actually a really great commodity for camps. So we went to work at a camp that a friend of ours told us about. We didn't interview anywhere else, just there. And um, worked there for three years. And I was a program director there. And it was a lovely camp. It was a, um, a co-ed camp. It was a little different than what I'm used to. It was a little bit more unstructured. Kids kind of chose their own schedule. And I was a program director, so that was a nightmare because you were constantly changing the schedule based on what the kids wanted. Um, and then we really like settled into searching, searching for the perfect camp and did a big, big search and then ended up with you guys at trip. Awesome. Yeah. So I've worked with a lot of different camps, like co-ed camps, little lot, traditional, non-traditional, little yeah. single set camps. Of my camp friends, you are one of the ones with the most like thorough experience. Like, yeah, seen, and seen it all because I've seen it like experience. in the seven, in the yeah, seven. You've seen it across the, the decades. You've seen yeah. it across formats. You've seen it across, you know demographics so yeah um what roles have you played at camp from camper to what okay so my role as a camper was definitely low spirited definitely not athletic and theater like a theater you know in the shows and i was very spirited definitely obnoxious to my counselors in my tween years again didn't call it that then um then i became and it was such a small tiny camp i became a counselor and a group leader i think i was 18 when I was a group leader of the 14 year olds, but it was such a tiny camp. And um, I did that there. And then I was program director later. And then at trip, I was funny when I came to trip, I had no job other than the director of the camp that was there at the time who hired us. We just really clicked on such a camp person level that she just said, you're hired. And I have no idea what you're going to do. Just bring your camp stuff to us. So the first year at camp, I had no role at trip other than bringing new activities and learning about the place and just getting to know all the kids and stuff. And then I was a program director for a while. Steph and I shared a first year at camp, which was yes, 1999, last century. That's right. And then I was a program director, which we're a strange camp where we write the schedule every day. It changes every day. Don't ask. Um, and then I became a group leader or advisor was what we called that. But I was in charge of at first the 12 year olds, which I loved actually. And most people don't because they're the hardest age group at any camp. Because You were, and I'm not blowing smoke here because I don't blow smoke, but you were brilliant with them because you treated 12 year olds like people. And they loved that. They felt, they felt seen. They felt grown up. They felt kind of fancy with you around and you were still fun enough with them to understand that you're dealing with 12 year olds. Well, thank you. And it was odd because I was like a mom and our, our advisors are more like, you know, college age or older. So here was this like 40 year old mom or at the time by 50 year old mom as their advisor. But I was a very obnoxious camper. And 12 year olds are very obnoxious. So I get it. Like I, there was no surprises for me from them. I was able to anticipate everything they were going to do. So if there was something going on, I'm like, girls, I know you want to sneak out of the bunk. You're not, it's not happening. And they're like, oh no, we're not. I'm like, yes, you do, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> so. It also really speaks. It also really speaks to the idea that, you know, as we in education know, kids do respond to expectations and structure when you let when you become the fun uncle and you go the cheap route and you let kids do whatever they want, they don't respect you. They don't respond to that, but yeah. you gave them love and structure. And so that still works also. 
Well, here's the thing about camp that's so incredible is that camp kind of weirdly gives you permission to figure out how to get in trouble without getting in trouble. Like at school, you don't take as many of those risks if you care about your grades or what the teachers think of you. At camp, like the, the punishments can't be that severe as they would be at school, you know, with your grades and all that things like that. So you spend a lot of time at camp as a camper figuring out how do we how do we how how could we be naughty without getting caught? And I gotta tell you, my bunky camp, we were amazing at being naughty and not getting in trouble. Oh, a, a, other age groups around us, older and younger, marveled at the fact that we never got caught doing all the crap that everybody else was doing. Well, as a teacher, you know, you and I, we've got 50 years between us. Isn't that the true mark? Like if you can find a kid who can get in trouble and or be a little bit ornery and then not get in trouble. And, you know, that's kind of the smart, cool kid who's going to like figure stuff out. They're the problem. I used, to, I used to say that to the oldest girls at, at our camp, like, I just don't want to hear about it. Like if I heard a buzz that something's happening, I'm like, ladies, if I don't hear about it, congratulations. Right. And how bad can it have been? <laughs> like you that's snuck that into sort the of kitchen. Like, that's that sort of playful mischief that's part of childhood. You know, obviously we're not talking about things like violence or bullying or something like that. Right. Like sneaking into the kitchen to get something or, you know, stealing whatever. I got an stealing. extra cookie at cookie line. Right. Whatever. And I'm like, I just don't want to know about it. And God bless you. That's great. Look at you, like cooperating and negotiating and planning and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, good for you. Which is, which is, again, which is a great part of camp that they get to do all that stuff. What have been your favorite activities at camp? Okay, for me, oh, as a camper and a counselor, I guess it's kind of the same thing. I mean, first of all, I always love theater at camp because, and as do you, you and I share that so much, um, because it was, it has high expectations and low expectations, both at the same time. Yeah. Like the whole idea is you got to get out there and put on some kind of show. Now, it's not going to be at the level of like some kind of professional show, but like you got to get out there and entertain people. So I loved, I always loved theater camp and I always did the talent shows and the dance shows and all that kind of stuff. And then when I went to trip, I was always trying to get involved somehow in some kind of theater. So I always love that, but I lived no surprise, all the traditional stuff. Like every camp has some kind of sing. I love that. It's we call it sing song. Um, I love just I love the I love all those traditional things where there's so much minutia that's involved and tradition that's involved that doesn't really mean anything, but like it's so it's so vital that you sing a certain song and you sit a certain way and like a certain age group speaks about something. Like I just live for that that culture of camp stuff. It should be noted that <laughs> Steph and I have shared the stage together many times. I think my yes, favorite yes. one was when. I was Albert Peterson in Bye Bye Birdie and you were my mother. And yeah. Steph doesn't, Steph doesn't, you don't love to learn lines? No, so, I don't have time. So I, you I, often don't I, learn lines, but yeah. you understand the general trajectory of a narrative. And so that's you will fill in all the blanks you can mm -hmm. and everyone else is just going for the ride. Right. I would try, but in my defense, I would always try to at least know <laughs> the last line or the last word. So you'd know when I'm done. some cues in there. 
like I'm done with what I had to say. And now it's your turn to say your line. And then I'll just kind of jump right in after that. Yeah. We also have hosted many uh, variety talent shows together, Mm -hmm, which, mm -hmm. you know, I was going to say it's sort of like I'm the Jimmy Fallon to your Tina Fey, but I feel like Chris, Chris J, uh, Mm -hmm. future guest, stay tuned. Mm -hmm. Um, He's more of your Jimmy Fallon. It's like we're the old... um, we're the Carol Burnett show. You yeah, be no, Carol Burnett and I'll be Tim. your Harvey Corman and he yeah, can be yeah, Tim yeah. Conway. Yeah, for sure. For sure. I agree. I agree. Now who's dating themselves? Describe uh-huh. a typical camp day. Like what's a good day at camp look like to you? It's so funny when you ask me these questions because I so feel like a split personality because when you, isn't it funny when you ask me these questions, I immediately think about being a camper and yet That's I've great. spent more years that's where the As core of your camp love is. Yeah, but more, but more of my years were as a counselor. So let me, can I say both? Yeah, of course you can. Okay, so as a camper, a great day would be, again, like a, a, a typical day, minimal sports, because I'm not really the athlete, or if the, so, you know, maybe, Ugh, I guess soccer. Like I'm talking about activities because <laughs> at my camp we had like we'd have an activity and then instructional swim and then in the afternoon an activity and general swim, which is just playing around in the water. So in the morning, so then wait, time out. Screw the sports. In the morning, I'd have arts and crafts where I'd have like ceramics and do something artistic. And then instructional swim, forget the swimming, like that bored me. I'd have sailing or with my two best friends, which my two best friends, this is a side story that I must tell, talking about like getting in trouble at camp. So my two best friends at camp, every time we went sailing, we would get in trouble because we just, that was an excuse to us to just like be bad. Like be bad. Like, you know, okay, girls only sail out to as far as that canoe. Yeah, right. Totally. Well, we also shared a lake with a boys camp. So once, and, and from another camp, not affiliated with our camp. So once you were on a boat, that was just an invitation to go to that boys camp. So you could wave to them. <laughs> so we always would do that. They'd come out in a motorboat. Girls are not supposed to do that. So finally, by the time we were like 14 or 15, the head of the waterfront, who was the head of the waterfront forever. I loved him. Artie Grossman, greatest guy ever. And he loved us, but was always yelling at us. He's like, that's it. The th- and I'll say the sentence and people from camp would get it. Although we don't use this word a trip. The three of you are docked from ever sailing together for the for ever sailing together. Dock means forbidden. And I said, really? He goes, I, so you're docked from sailing forever. I go, what do you mean forever? He goes, <laughs> literally forever. The three of you can never be on a boat together, just you three. So years later, we came back as a counselor. And during rest hour, the time after lunch, you know, free time. We go out on a sailboat. We start walking to the sailboat and we hear Artie like blow the whistle, you know, and he doesn't blow it. He blows it with his fingers because that's why he's a great camp person. And he's like, three of you, what are you doing? We're like, we're sailing. He goes, you're not allowed to sail. We're employed. We work here now. Like we're adults. We're going to college now. He's like, nope. Like I never sailed with my two best friends since like that one time we were caught by the boys camp family. Um, I feel a deep affinity to Artie Grossman right now. Just from I my- love Artie Grossman. Oh my God! Anyone from Watito who's listening to this totally loves Artie Grossman. And and of course, what did we call him behind his back? We loved him, Farty Artie, because well, we sure. wanted to call him Farty Artie. Um, so okay, arts and crafts, sailing, 
that would be in the morning. Afternoon, we had a hobby period after lunch where you would choose an activity you liked for a week. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna either say dance or theater rehearsal, followed by what would I wanna do in the afternoon? Totally not a sport. Um, what would, well, you know what make me laugh? Like this is really funny. We had nature at my camp. Another excuse to fool around and act as if the teacher was your substitute teacher. And, and my friend Natalie and I, who were definitely the comedians and like class clowns and mischievous ones of the bunk, would love a good nature time where we would be like, let's dissect a frog. And then ironically dissect a frog with him as if we were like making fun of this poor man who's employed to work at camp and we're torturing him. But we would have dissected a frog. And then even activity would have been some spe fabulous special event. Our camp did a lot of game shows and stuff at night, like name that tune and you know stuff bunk like that. Feud. Bunk few things like that. So I would have loved like some kind of thing like that. So that would be again a typical day. That would be my favorite day as a camper. Okay, so that takes us to our next question. Mm -hmm. Tell us about what it's like to live at camp. Where have you lived at summer camp? <sighs> oh God, I've, so I've lived in a bunk as a child, obviously, and as a counselor with the bugs, with the spider webs, with the freezing cold first thing in the morning and all that stuff. And, you know, you just kind of deal with that. Although I must say as campers, people are going to listen to this. They're going to think I'm horrible, but like, we love to, we love to spruce up the bunk before that was like a thing for to do. Like you couldn't go to a store and buy stuff though. We were the first people to bring up like a bath mat to put by our bed. And people were like, well, that's a clever idea. And we brought up like fabric and sewed curtains. I don't even know where we sewed them. I guess we went to like costume people and like sewed curtains for them. My friend, this is the best one. My friend's parents were refin refinishing their bathroom. So my friend brought up a toilet seat to camp. And we literally <laughs> like found the maintenance guys, got the tools, changed the toilet seat to a red toilet, we had a red toilet seat in our bunk because Natalie brought had a toilet seat. And I don't even know how she brought the toilet seat up to camp, but somehow the toilet seat got to camp. So, what, oh, that's what we lived in the bunk. So I always try to make our bunk look lovely. And then as a grown up, I was, you know, oh God, as a grown up, my the first camp we went to as a grown up when I had babies, we lived in like this strip motel that was on the camp for the older staff, but it was it was a bunk. Like it was not insulated or anything. And I brought up a a four-month-old baby to live in, in a shed. In a shed with a space heater next to her in the freezing cold and like a fan blowing on her when it was so hot in the middle of the summer. I had to bathe her in like a little like I guess a little kitty bathtub at the bottom of a gross camp shower. Oh wow. She's a fabulous adult right now, but like she's got resilience. She I mean, she would be napping outside in a stroller and you'd walk by, there'd be like a leaf on her head and stuff. <laughs> and like, so yeah, the living wasn't great. And then when we went to trip, we got like normal living, like a real house house. Yeah. Which was lovely. We were For very lucky. Anyone listening who doesn't understand the concept of freezing cold when we're talking mm -hmm. about summer camp and thinks we're like from California and we get cold when it's 70 degrees. That's not true. No, it's additional different. shout out to Chris J the Northeastern United States where a lot of summer camps are has some very cool nights in June. Like I think the record is 
one night in the bunk, it got down to 42, which when you're in a building with no insulation and like canvas flap walls, that's significant. And you really do need your sleeping bag and your extra blankets that night. Yeah. And you go to, and you go to breakfast. Absolutely. Like whatever you're wearing, you are not changing. Layered sweats and big fuzzy socks. And yeah. Yes, yes, yes. So that's where I lived at camp. Were pranks a thing at your camps? Oh God, yeah. Tell us. Uh, what were pranks though? It wasn't well. Hmm. The prank that I think of when I when I as a child was color war breaks, which is something you're not familiar with. And if you have camp people listening to this, most people that go to camp know about color war breaks, which is the big surprise that announces that big competition at the end of the summer. So. Color War Breaks to me when I was a child, I thought they were the most elaborate things in the world. They really weren't that elaborate. They'd be things like um, at one dinner, our colors at camp were tan and green. And one night at dinner, like tan and green chickens, live chickens that were dyed tan and green, sorry, Peter, started running through the dining hall and everyone was like, what's going on? And then they throw up the papers and the papers have everybody's team names on it. But for me, one of the great honors was we got to break color war as counselors. And at the end of the talent show, um, I danced to let me entertain you and choreographed the whole thing with people dancing behind me. And the counselors started doing the striptease. And then all of a sudden we were like literally on our underwear with t-shirts, maybe not underwear, I'm probably elaborate, but anyway, we were in seventies, early eighties, everyone just pointing right. out. It had t-shirts that said, and uh, we didn't call it color war because we were in the seventies and saying war was like, Back then, when politically correct wasn't even a thing, we don't want to say war, man, because that was bad. So it was called Olympiad. So we had T-shirts that said "Egad, it's Olympiad," and then everybody screamed. You didn't want to harsh their mellow with words mm-hmm. like "war." Mm-hmm. Yeah, got it. Um, yeah. So that, that's the pranks at camp that I remember were like the color war breaks, which were very elaborate. Well, I thought they were elaborate, but they were like so intense. I have happened. a very specific prank memory of you and I being in the same physical space when we noticed that um two of our old counselors uh, kurt and ben had photoshopped their faces Ugh. onto all the pictures of the old directors at camp so all they had gotten in and s- replaced historic photos with their own faces and it was possibly that is, yes, a yes. moment of utter delight yeah and then we, you know we had the classic when like somebody went in and took the entire head table and moved it out onto the docks and stuff yeah. that's like such a typical camp prank hit it baby so Steph what was your worst camp memory <gasps> oh wow look how fast it just came boom in my head so the thing about camp was that the love you have with your camp friends is the strongest love it's like sibling love maybe even more I can't explain it's so intense which means the fights that you have are so intense and my bunk, we used to fight all the time, but fight like the councils would be scared of us and we would just be like, we're just fighting, it'll be fine. You know, everything will be, you know, cause we'd fight about like when we were writing a song or we had to like create something we'd fight. But my friend, Natalie, who my best friend at camp, um, when we would every summer from like 13 years old and on, we would have a moment at camp where we would just break and have this intense, intense fight. And Natalie never cries is what everyone used to say. Natalie, you never cry. And 
Natalie would cry when we would have a fight. And those were my worst memories when Natalie and I would have that fight. And we know we would make up after it. And I can't even remember what the fights were about, but they were like intense, intense. So that's definitely my worst memories. And quite frankly, and I think any camp person would say this, the worst part of camp is departure day. Oh. I mean, like, no matter what camp you go to, even the camp I didn't even like that much, your relationships are so strong. The cries that I had at camp saying goodbye. When I went to college and I studied, like, serious acting for a semester, whatever the hell that means, and I was taught, like, Stanislavski, like, sense memory and, you know, learning how to cry on stage – they said, okay, tap into something that is really emotional to you. And they are like, okay, you tap into it. And they say, okay, now imagine that day, that morning, what was it like? And they're like, you close your eyes and you're trying to relive that memory to really like bring the emotion back. And he goes, and let it happen. And I just recall the previous summer's departure day. I started crying so much in the drama class that the professor came up to me and he goes, okay, that's a bad choice. Relax, calm down, catch your breath. Because that's not what you want to choose because you totally have lost control and you can't use that on stage. And uh -huh. like everyone was thinking like, were you talking about when your mother died? I'm like, no, it was just me. It's camp. Oh. And, and again, how many years of camp have we been to? Every single summer, there's somebody who says goodbye to me that just opens that friggin' floodgate. Oh, it's terrible. And, and, I've and known, you cry I've like convulsing. You avoid, to, well, I mean, little confession here. Since about 2015, yeah. I gave up on departure day altogether. Yeah, you just leave early because you can't handle it. It's horrible. No, I mean, I have to get back to school and there are meetings and stuff like that. And I'm also not 20 anymore. So driving 20 hours in a 24-hour span isn't as easy as it used to be. But avoiding departure day at all costs, totally part of my current mode of operation. And it's so and it's so funny because my family and I raised both my daughters since they were babies through camp. My daughter just said to me now, she watched um Fellow Travelers, amazing show on TV. And she's just called me. She goes, Oh my God, Fellow Travelers, last episode, crying like last day of camp crying. <laughs> like that's a reference, you know, like that that just means you are convulsing. Audibly, there's audible sobs coming out. That's a camp person reference for sure, crying like the last day of camp. But one of the best quotes that sums up departure day came from your husband yes. to your daughter. And it was the summer that Mel was a camper for the first time after growing up as a toddler and little kid at this camp. And the buses were pulling away and were in the compound outside of the office. And she is distraught. And Mark scoops her up and I hear him say, we're crying because we love these people. And that's never a bad thing. Oh, I don't know that story. Oh my God. It's stuck with me forever. I don't know that story. That makes me so happy. Well, you married a good guy. Yeah. And then I think of I'll get my, him on here someday. my other daughter, uh, my other daughter, probably around that summer. I, I just talk about what camp life is like. She must've been either two or three. And our house was on camp, but camp's big, you know. And I just said to her, sweetie, if you wake up tomorrow and no, daddy and I aren't in the house, just get up and walk to the office. And she knew what that meant. And as a four-year-old, there she was walking, you know, in her pajamas, you know, dragging her blanket on the floor. And she comes to the office at like seven in the, in the morning and everyone is there sobbing, crying, crying and sobbing. Um, and it's a lot more intense, I think, it, 
trip because we get up so early to leave and we're sleep deprived. But anyway, she just finds me and she looks at me and she goes, I don't like this. I'm going home and just turned around and left. Like even as a four-year-old, she was totally creeped out that all these people she spent two months with were all sobbing. She had no idea why we were sobbing. There was no good to be found there. No, she's like, I don't like this and just left, which is very Chloe anyway. Give me one of your best camp memories. So the thing I thought of, I I thought of this before and I want to bring it up now because it's definitely going to be, it's not my best memory. And it doesn't matter what camp I'm at, but I'm going to talk about, about specifically because of you laughing until I literally pee in my pants. (laughs) There is no laughter on the planet better than when I am laughing with my camp friends. And you know, I mean, maybe not for public broadcast on because you, Chris and I have such a dark sense of humor, but- I have listed this as a clean podcast. Yes. So the three of us can get on a joke and beat it to death to the point where like, there was one summer where we, I can't even remember, we had this like stupid voice that we were using and it was probably based on most likely us and SNL skit or whatever. And we just kept talking like that to the point where other people were like, you guys gotta shut up already. Like, and it just broke us constantly. So my best memories of camp is the three of us laughing so hard that we alienate everyone else around us, which can, is really funny. I can That's hear my favorite the sound of those moments in my head. And for 100%. that reason, if not for any other reason, I count myself lucky. But there's a principle that um, this whole concept that a friend of mine, really, my, well, like, you know, one of my best friends from here, um, his brother once taught me. And he said, there's a moment where you make the joke and then the joke's not funny anymore. But if you push, it'll be funny again. If you're willing to just ride that out. hundred percent. That is so us. That is so us. Right. And it's like, we just beat a dead horse and just keep going. And I don't think we stop when it's not funny. We just stop when we're like, uh, probably honestly for us, we stop because the chimes ring and we have to go to an activity. Right. We don't stop because we're tired of it. You know, we stop because some part of the camp schedule has told us you have to now not three of you be together anymore. Because we could just yeah, and those that last it's not social constructs that ever would have separated us because we're no. oblivious to that. <laughs> and that just that that intense, intense laughter of just literally like crying, laughing, and 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 part of it is knowing that if another person came over, we kind of have to stop because we're going to a place that other people aren't going to get. That, right. Like they're not like, going to willingly guys, go with like, not, like that's not appropriate. We're like, not appropriate. Like there's, there's nothing that's not. And that's also, you know, with a lot of my friends, I, mean, I can tell you this, I could tell the same exact story from my counselor friends from when I was a counselor, when I was 20, like you, and I don't know if that that's got to be a camp thing because I'm thinking of all the camps they've been to. You get to a place that's just inappropriate all the time because you're so you're well, living with each other. You know, yeah. it, I thought about that time. with close teacher friends too. There's a thing where when you are a professional sanitized version of yourself, a lot of time the pendulum swings the other direction, and that dark humor has to kick in at some point just for balance. Right, so, right. You see, like. 
my sister-in-law's sister was an ICU nurse and she has like the darkest and greatest sense of humor because that's what she does. But the other thing too, I was thinking of actually this morning when I was thinking about, oh, I'm going to do that podcast with Ebel soon, that the thing about camp is I remember reading in a book once about the art of parenting that children are like, we all are, not just children. We all are so are our social selves when we're out in the world. And then when we get home, we literally refer to, we, we refer to a baby self. You know, the baby self is the one that says to my husband, like, give me the remote, just get it for me, right. you know? And because we're at camp, we never have that opportunity to, to like have the switch. So we switch to baby self in front of everybody. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? You can't keep up social self for, for eight, seven, eight weeks. So we all see each other like warts and all. Which is a perfect transition to the next question. Yes. Love. Which is that we know because of exactly what you're explaining, because we connect as our like raw, stripped down, no pretense versions of ourselves. We know that camp connects people. Please mm -hmm. tell us how you know this to be true. Oh, I mean, I can run into camp people. For, well, first of all, I can call up any old camp friend and and know that if we had enough time, I could talk to them for five hours. Yeah. Like nonstop. Um, and I have camp people from all over the world, which is so wonderful to see. Um, and I think the thing about camp, and camp people is like, I know if I was in another country or another state and I called someone from camp and I was someone coming through town and be like, yeah, great. And we at like time, you know, yes, people say that with old friends that you can see them and it feels like time stood still. And people say, yeah, I know that with some of my friends. Like, But for me, anyone I went to camp with, yeah, there's that connection. Literally anybody. And I, and you know, it because I, I run into people all the time, like from different eras and whatnot. And you just have that connection when you've gone through camp together. I was... I was telling one of my friends that it's very much like, you know, and I realize this is sort of a overly dramatized way of phrasing it, but your camp friends are like people you served in like a platoon with, which right. I don't have a military career. You don't have a military career, but they talk about stuff like that in movies. And it's like we uh, we did a tour of duty together when you were right. You know, Julie refers to, she refers to other people that I've known, but and I would use it for camp saying camp is like meeting family you never knew you had. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, right. I think that's what it, that's what it's like. And even like camper to camper, counselor to counselor, camper to counselor. It's just that, that it feels like family. It's like, I would, you know, I was at a wedding in April, an ex camper who was mm -hmm. an ex staff member who we love and will be a guest later this season. Um, <laughs> she, uh, I was at her wedding and like a friend of a friend's mother was a camp person and I spent 90 minutes at the reception talking to this woman and right. she became my new best friend. Right. Right. Like, right. Cause it was just talking about camp and yeah. how many stories do we have of someone wearing, you know, camp swag out into the world and someone sees the sweatshirt yeah. that says the thing. And then they see them. I, you know, that camp, I went there 40 years ago and it turns mm. into a lunch and a coffee and a conversation and a mm. extra special yeah. That people didn't know they were going to have. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. I had that at my school when I saw a, a camper 
uh, a student walking by wearing, you know, the sweatshirt from Mike Watito from the camp when he was a kid. And I just walked by, I was like, <gasps> and she got so excited. And we just started talking for like a half hour and all her friends like walked away. And I'm like, I was like, oh my God, we need to keep in touch. <laughs> you know, meanwhile, she's in my school somewhere. And I, ne I, I never hear of that happening in any other circumstance, you know, an ex job or. I mean, I guess it happened like. In the college. You had the connection coaching. with sororities and fraternities. But, colleges, you, but it's, it's not this something thing. that's so pure that I think that's what loops back is that. But I think, I think it's because good camps, most camps, but the really good camps when you continue with your traditions and you have a real philosophy and spirit that exists for many, many years, you know that the person had the same experience that you did. Yeah. Even if think then that's the thing is that it just takes you out of that wheel you know, to put you in that bubble and it takes you out of that real world. And we know that, you know, I could talk to someone who went to Trip Lake, you know, 50, 75, 80 years ago and say sing song. And they and their vision, what they're seeing is exactly what I see. Like I sit and I watch, thank God, you know, on Facebook, they post the videos of the camp I went to. And I sat and watched all of Sing. Like, I don't know who the campers are, but I had to like, listen to their songs. And I'm so excited to like sure. listen to each age group and all that stuff. It was fun. Who or what do you miss most about camp when you're not there? You, Ebel. Ah! You. And CJ, he's going to get mad if I don't say that. I miss, and, yeah, same. I, I mean, okay, it, so, well, we know the answer. The answer is the people, obviously, but, yeah, you know. Yeah. But I, I do have to say, as a grown-up, like as a grown-up lady, I miss the, it's so funny, I explain this to people all the time, the freedom that comes from the structure. Yeah. So when I explain that to people, it's like, I love going to camp and not worrying what I'm wearing. Or yeah, how much time a week can we save not knowing, like not having to worry about like a selection of clothing? Right, like not we, knowing we where the, like, the food Most just are uniform. Yeah, but like the food where the like the food just appears. I don't have to like I don't have to wake up in the morning going, what am I going to do today? Or like it just happens. And some people look at that as so restrictive, and I find it really freeing because all I focus my energy on all day is fun. And hanging out with people and loving people. I always say, I, you know, I hug more people in one day at camp than I do probably the whole year. Oh, for you sure. Know? Yeah. Yeah. So I don't even know what your question was. Why is that? Uh, we were just talking about things you, who or what we miss at camp. When oh, okay. Oh, right. So I miss that like day to day kind of don't worry about life. It'll, we'll, we'll make sure that life happens. You just have fun with the people in it. There's also a tradition at our camp, a trip called Cookie Line, where at 1120 every day they give you a cookie. And I kind of miss that. Yeah. Yeah. When I was a camper growing up, they gave like, we had our milk and cookies at Milk Line. It was called Milk and Cookies. Stop it. It's called Milk Line. And Milk Line happened after rest hour. They didn't give like a fresh baked cookie like at trip. They gave like, you know, Oreos, whatever. But it was given out by the waiters who were the oldest boys in camp. Oh my. So when we were like 14 or 15 years old, it's rest hour, you're lying in your bunk and they're like, you're like, oh, milk line, somebody go get me an Oreo. And then somebody would be like, Robbie Kestenbaum's giving out the cookies. We're like, gotta get up. <laughs> <laughs> so shout out to Robbie Kestenbaum and Gary Trainer. We would all run. We'd like, go, go. Oh, then the boys my age would be upset if I didn't say, well, shout out to Howie Hickman and Jeff Porter and Jamie Abbott. There you go. <laughs> but Why it's so funny that? how like that was that was cookie line for us was more about seeing 
seeing the waiter who was coming. <laughs> Final question. What oh has a camp person taught you about yourself? Mm, I'm going to cry a little bit right now. So I say this when I talk to counselors at camp. Oh, I'm like literally going to cry right now. And that's why it's camp because I'm crying. Um, <laughs> my counselors really shaped me to who I am today. And I always say that, like the music that I like, the way I treat my friends, the carefree. So just shout out friggin' man to like Corin Kaplan and Donna Horn and Leslie Gertrude, who were three of like the greatest counselors ever. And they had such an impact on, on us, like on us, you know, on my bunk. And, you know, like I said, everything, the way we dress, the music that we listened to, just the kind of people we were. I mean, they were the most important people to me. I mean, my camp friends, obviously, but I don't even, like, that's just obvious, you know, my bunk mates, like those are my sisters, but those counselors were so, and they were all ex-campers. They were all ex-campers, so they got it. Previously you know, established camp. When we were, when there was drama in the bunk about whatever nonsense there was, and it was usually about camp stuff, like we had to make a decision about whatever stupid thing like as a bunk we had to create like a skit or something and that would be like the biggest fights ever from us but they got it that you know that stuff was really important to us and they were so good they were so good on the one hand and yet and, and they also introduced us to a lot of bad stuff bad stuff too like I remember I think the first beer I ever had and this is so camp in the 70s the first beer I ever had was corn brought back beer for us oh, one wow. night and like gave us all beer. Yeah. And that was like, I remember that. That was like a thing. And she'd sneak back ice cream to us too, but she also snuck back beer to us. Camp was very different in the seventies for sure. Um, I so. think that we, the yeah. idea that at a point in our lives, we can encounter these people who are separate from the powers that have already built us, our parents and our close people that are part of our like, interior structure when we're growing up to meet new people who want to know you and want to understand mm. you and want to expose you to things is so part of what camp does in yeah. terms it's of bringing not... kids out into a larger world and showing them their you know their possibilities and their power and their agency in that because you know that's part of how camp shows people who they are and it's so beautiful because they're not they're not family they're not teachers. They're just people a little bit older than you. And yeah. they're so good. And, and a good counselor can is can be so incredibly impactful because they can do they can do things that other people don't do. I mean, I remember even as an, an advisor, like teaching girls how to use a tampon for the first time. Yeah. Yeah. And like screaming from the bunk, you got this, you can do it. And the kids were just cracking up. I was like, everybody leave. I'm gonna help her do this. Um you know, and there's just stuff, there's so many of those kind of memories of counselors having that, the talking to us about, you know, this is how you should treat each other and that's not right. And you shouldn't do this with guys. And this is how you should behave with boys. And just, they were the gospel, preaching the gospel to us. Well, and, and those lessons, your counselor to camper examples are perfect, but I mean, I love the way that happens from counselor to counselor too. Yeah. From, you know brand new baby counselor who's never really been out into the world before, mm. and, you know, veteran staff and vice versa. I mean, when, yeah. 
when we met 1999 shout out I'm a 21-year-old kid who's just starting his teaching career and the things that you know let's not make Steph cry or me either but the things that you taught me about who I was are things that have been unshakably part of my journey like there's no way I'd be me without you Mm. and it's funny because and the vice versa because you know people always say to me like you're so young at heart and I I know that I am and I attribute that to my closest dearest friends are all my camp people who are significantly younger (laughs) than me you know it's hysterical when I'm with my with my friends that are my age and they're like well who are you talking to I'm like I'm talking to Kimbo and like Kimbo is much younger than me. And I consider her a really dear friend, like a, a really, really dear friend. And it's just so funny that it just camp does that for you. You know, we went out the other day, I went out to brunch with Kimberly and, and Barry and Nikki and my daughters and like, and, and Allie Hartman. And I'm sitting at the table, one moment I'm sitting at the table and like, what do strangers think when they walk by that there's all these 20, 20 year old, you know, women in their twenties, and then this lady, <laughs> then this old lady's there. And can I tell you, we sat in that restaurant, talked about camp. All we did was talk. I mean, we, we a couple of other things, but really mostly just, and I don't even know what it means when you say we talked about camp. I guess we just rehashed memories for like hours. I mean, to the point where like the waiters were like, you guys got to go. <laughs> I mean, I know we don't need the table, but like enough already got to go. Um and that's so funny how camp people, I mean, you know that you and I could sit on, we could do a, we could do a 10 season, 10 series uh, podcast right now. Just yakking. We can break this into minutia and still get four seasons out of it. Like, okay, let's talk about what colors work best for color wars. Go. Sure, we sure. Can do an hour on that. Right, right, right. Oh, Steph, it has been a joy talking to you about this very special thing that we have shared. I thank you very much for being my inaugural guest and helping set the tone for this weird little project that I wanted to engage in. And um, you've got to know that I I love you more than most. And I got to tell you, Eric, how proud I am of you just taking this on. And I know you so well that when you put your heart into something and you really care about something, this is going to happen. Like this is going to be, be a thing. Um, And I just, I know that I'm going to be reaching out to camp friends saying, yeah, listen to the podcast. It's really fun because it's just, as we know, campus, campus, camp, and we get it. Um, so I'm really proud of you that you're doing this. It's really fun. I Thanks love stuff. you. Love so, you. I'm giving you a big hug right now through the screen, through the airwaves, through the whatever waves. This has been Camp People. Tune in next Tuesday as we continue to explore this strange and wonderful thing called summer camp. Until then, take care.